comes up all the time, what'll hockey life be like around here, including for the franchise itself, when Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and the, the core, the grand core of franchise superstars that have been in place seemingly for 40 years aren't around anymore. I got news for you. At least it'll be news for some of you. They're going to be just fine. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I invite you to check out. The Penguins, owned by Fenway Sports Group, are on the cusp of buying AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh from the Warner Brothers Discovery Channel people. Did any of that make sense? going to try it again. FSG is going to buy the local network. Okay, how's that? And in the process, FSG is going to use the local network in some form to broadcast the Penguins games. From there, the Penguins will have the rights to put out their product in various forms, to disseminate it as they see appropriate, and of course, holding on to the priority that they're available on television for their fans to see in Western Pennsylvania and really across the tri-state area, which for anybody who doesn't know encompasses a piece of Ohio and the entirety of West Virginia. Okay, so sounds like whatever, right? From the consumer standpoint, it's going to seem like that. My belief is that you're going to see a lot of the same elements to the broadcast. You're going to see the same people, probably. Maybe only the name, the logo, and the theme songs will change. But there's more to this. There's way, way, way more significance to this toward the future. Let me let you in on a, I don't want to call it a secret because it's known to people who operate in it, but probably isn't known to, to fans, to hockey fans who don't follow the business world. The Penguins make money, okay? The Penguins make a nice chunk of money. The Penguins have a very, very good deal at PPG Paints Arena in which they are the operator of the facility. And therefore, every single time uh, Paul McCartney or Duran Duran or whoever comes passing through town and plays arena shows, they've only got one place to play them, at least at a venue of that size. And that is all money that not directly, not ticket for ticket the way it does for hockey, but the money that is made off of these shows, I'll say it again, the Penguins are the operator. FSG literally is the operator. Now, you separate hockey revenues from concert revenues. I get that part. That's very important toward the salary cap. When the NHL does its cap accounting, all that counts toward the revenues that are shared with the players and used to create the cap, meaning to create the cap uh, guidelines, the money guidelines, 
is what's very pointedly referred to as hockey revenue. And this is why, because if the Rangers listed all their revenues, Madison Square Garden and so forth, yeah, you get the idea. Now, add on to that, this is well known, that the Penguins, and now again, in turn, FSG is responsible for that massive tract of land across the street where the Civic Arena used to sit. Yeah, it's taken more than a decade to get some shovels in the ground, but the shovels are there and working. There's a skyscraper going up. Now, with a lot of the more important hurdles cleared with the community leaders in the Hill District, you're going to see buildings shoot up, real live enterprises, a Columbus-type entertainment complex, residential, retail, all kinds of stuff. Guess who benefits from that? Yeah. Okay. Now, take all of that and the hockey and throw into it having a network. In the short run, and I don't doubt this for a second, it's going to be a hit for the team. And they're going to make that clear. They're going to make that known. But in the longer run, and anyone in the sports business will tell you this, it's far preferable to have control of your broadcast rights, especially if it involves the internet and streaming. And that's where this is going to get fascinating. Because the NHL, just like the other three major professional sports leagues in North America, wants to have that control, wants to be able to sell that control as they insanely did a couple of years ago in the ESPN deal. And I have a feeling that the Penguins are going to do their share of battling for that control at the local level. Remember where you heard this. And if they do, and if they can offer a streaming product to their fans, regardless of whether they're in Pittsburgh or not, or anywhere in the immediate region, and they say you can watch Penguins games wherever you are without worrying about a blackout, without worrying about any kind of restrictions, if you pay X fee, they're going to get X fee. Believe you me, I've heard from the consumers of these streaming services, the number one liability, the number one thing that keeps them either from signing up or from staying after they signed up is the blackouts. If the Penguins can figure that out, if the FSG folks can figure that out, and they've got all these other revenues, do not worry. Do not worry about the same scenario that arose you know, back at the turn of this most recent century where the Penguins went into bankruptcy and had to s- struggle like crazy and become the worst team in the league. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. They're going to be just fine. We come back, J1Q. comes from Doug, who says, despite not having all of the pieces needed to win it all, I have fond memories of the Yarmir Yager, Alexei Kovalev, Martin Straka, Robert Lang years. They were certainly entertaining. Who was the most underrated player 
out of that era. Jan Herdina probably still pinches himself when he thinks of getting to play alongside Mario Lemieux during the comeback. Doug, you know, my man, you had a really good question there. And I was going to come back at you with this really cool, none of those choices, Doug, type of answer. And then you blew it. You had to mention Herdina before I got to him. Because the answer, at least for me, is absolutely number 38. I thought Jan was the most underappreciated player of that era and one of the most underappreciated across the NHL for what he was able to do. He was a legit two-way center. He was smart enough to be able to handle all the duties that he needed to do on his side of the red line, but also humble enough to not let the occasional good offensive streaks that he'd get into dissuade him from staying with that. And you know exactly what I'm talking about as a longtime hockey fan, because you have to be one to be having this conversation. Jan could do a little bit of everything. And the ultimate praise for Jan came not so much with what you're saying about getting to play alongside Mario. No, it was that Mario and Yager chose him. You got to understand that decision wasn't made from above, okay? 66 and 68 wanted to play together. That was going to be a no-brainer. 66 didn't want to take draws. 66 didn't want to have any kind of defensive assignments in this phase of his career. And 68 never wanted that. So they got Jan to do their dirty work while also understanding that Jan could, and by the way did, contribute to what they wanted offensively, that he had the instincts to be able to compete up there with those guys as well as the confidence and the poise. He wasn't going to get blown away. He was anything but the type to get blown away. Now, whenever I would talk to him, and this goes back to you know, the practices and so forth around that time, you know, Jan would acknowledge, wow, man, this is great. What an honor. He knew this was going to be something that was going to contribute to defining his career. And he was right. But on the ice, there was something that was just super cool about the guy. And I respect him for that immensely. I am not taking anything away from Kovalev, Straka, uh, Lang, anybody else that you might mention from that time period, but I am saying that Jan was the one who was underappreciated more than anybody else. And can I just throw this in parenthetically before we go off for the day? Part of what breaks my heart about Teddy Bluger's jaw getting busted was that Teddy had so much of that in him. He was a left-handed Jan in so many ways, even played the same position, same role, same attitude, could score, could do everything. And then, and then, you know, his jaw gets busted and everything changes. I really hope he continues to get a chance in Las Vegas and, and just keeps blossoming. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 